0: When patients yell at me and insult me. So, I live in Oklahoma and I've been called every racial slur in the book. Everyone you can think of. Every, for a variety of ethnicities, I've been called every racial slur in the book over the years. Usually, I can let those fall off my back, right? But it's hard for me to, I'm human. It's hard for me not to come back. It's hard for me to not let that interfere listening to Inside Bipolar, a Healthline Media podcast, where we tackle bipolar disorder using real-world examples and the latest research.
1: Welcome, everybody. My name is Gabe Howard, and I live with bipolar disorder.
0: And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist.
1: Now, in addition to being Dr. Nicole Washington, you're also a human. You're a whole person, right? And, and that means you, you have things that you like and things that you dislike, and that includes things that you like and things that you dislike in your job. Yes, like everyone. Tell me the things that annoy you about pain. And I know, I know we Googled annoy and and looked for lighter words, but I think annoyance is a word that people can relate to. There's things that annoy you about your patients, right?
0: That sounds very harsh, very harsh, the word annoy, but there are definitely things that probably get pretty annoying or that get under my skin.
1: If you don't want to use annoy, there are many other words that you can use. Irritate, vex, anger, exacerbates, irk, gall, peek, put out, displease, antagonize. A- a- any of those better? Could, could we use <laughs> any of those words? Because we don't want to sound too harsh.
0: I don't, I don't want to sound hard. I don't want people listening thinking, oh my God, that doctor says that she is annoyed by her patients.
1: Let's go with rattle your cage.
0: Ooh, my cage does get rattled occasionally. Um, (laughs) It does. But like you said, I'm human, right? So everything is not always roses and unicorns and rainbows. Like sometimes I don't have a good day. Sometimes I didn't sleep well the night before. Sometimes I'm tired Sometimes I'm frustrated because the system I work in may not always be the best. There are lots of reasons we could be frustrated.
1: I think it's important to bring this up because so often patients get frustrated. Actually, uh, patients are just straight up like we're pissed off at our doctor. Like we're we're not having this discussion about how to make it sound less, right? Everybody within the sound of our voice knows that we are mad at our doctor. So I, I appreciate you looking for a softer way of saying this. But we wanted to talk about it because, look, our doctors have a side too, They've got things that frustrate them. They've got things that that make their day go less than perfect. And I think understanding that will bring us closer to the middle. So Dr. Nicole, the first question I have, the number one thing, what is the number one thing that gets under your skin when when a patient does this in a session?
0: I don't, man, is there a number one?
1: There's so many, they're
0: all tied. There are so many things that can happen uh, because I think people just really misunderstand a lot about how this how this all works. One thing I will say for me personally that really, really is frustrating for me is when someone refers to their medications by color.
1: You mean like I need more of the pink one? Yes. I don't like the blue
0: one? It may be something like a new patient visit who says oh, I took this one thing, and it was really terrible. And I don't ever want to take that again. And I say, great, I don't want to give it to you. What was that thing? I don't know. It was round. See, that's
1: that's what I was going to say. Would it be better if they said it's the green round one? Is that the problem? We're only giving the color and not the color and the shape? Listen up, everybody. If you give the color and the shape, (laughs) Dr. Nicole has memorized hundreds of different... you're, You're saying that you don't? I don't. I'm not a pharmacist.
0: I do not see these pills. I prescribe them. The pharmacy does their magic. They fill them. They give them to the patient. I may never see what the pill looks like, ever.
1: Well, when I hear that, the, the knee-jerk reaction that I have is, aha, you don't know anything about what you're giving me. You're just shoving pills down my throat. You don't even know what they look like. This is this is proof. But then I think about it and I remember like every job I had in sales. I'm just entering SKU numbers into a computer and orders are going out. I've never seen these products. I I sold server equipment for three years and I have never personally seen 90% of the stuff that I sold but I knew what it was. I knew how it worked. But listen, the internet solves everything, Dr. Nicole. So can't you just Google it? I mean, seriously, can't you just Google it?
0: I could. There's a website, drugs.com. You go on there, you put in the description of the pill, you can try to figure out what pill it is. But listen, that is time consuming.
1: Instead of utilizing your high medical knowledge and your experience to get you the right medication so that you can live your best life, your doctor is Googling. Yeah, that, that does sound like a complete waste of time. But you said that you can Google it, which means the patient can Google it, too.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: Is that a good solution? If you're like, look, I don't want the blue pill anymore. And you don't remember what the blue pill is. and Listen as a patient, I understand I've been on so many drugs. I can't be exp- one. I can't pronounce the names. <laughs> I, I just want to be straight up. The reason that I call them the little blue one is because I can't pronounce it. Uh, Colana. I, I, I don't even know. Like the, 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 there, there's 15 consonants and then a vowel. I, I don't know how to pronounce this <laughs> stuff. Plus it was four years ago. Plus I was sick. Yes, But I can, I, the patient can Google it and I can look and I can find it and I can take that time. And that way I can sit across from my doctor and say, don't prescribe me falapopin. Right. That's not a real drug. Not, not at all. That's not. Okay. But, but I can do that. A patient can do that, right?
0: Absolutely. And not knowing your medicine history is Very frustrating for me from my end, not because I'm frustrated with you because you don't remember them all, because I get it. They sound alike. They're long words. Sometimes you don't know the generic name from the name brand. There's lots of reasons why a person with bipolar disorder wouldn't remember every medication they've tried. But when you come to me and you tell me things like, I can't take this or I can't take that, but then you don't even know what they were and I'm starting from zero, I could very likely give you something that you've taken before and didn't like because neither one of us remember the names. Then when something goes wrong, you'll talk to a random, you know, your, your spouse, your, your parent, someone who remembers, and they say, oh, they gave you that again? That's the one you didn't do well on last time. And then you're mad at me because I gave you the thing that you couldn't tell me the name of.
1: I I can see where that would be incredibly frustrating because you're, you're trying, (laughs) right? You just, you just don't have the data. I really like to put onus back on, on the patient because I'm the patient, right? I'm the person living with bipolar disorder. And anytime I can figure out how to advocate for myself, make my life better and get what I need, want to live my best life. I'm a super fan of this. So I, I, I really, 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 really encourage everybody that's been on that horrible drug that they don't want on again, to Google it, to figure it out, to, to print out some pictures, to go talk to the pharmacist and say, Hey, I'm going to start describing some pills to just do whatever it takes, but not in the 15 minutes that you get with the psychiatrist. Cause that's, that's super, super hard, but, but let's pretend that, that that just didn't work. Right. I told you, I don't want the blue one. You tried to figure out what the blue one is. You you made your best case. You You did your thing, but now you've prescribed me The same pill that I didn't want, but it happened like this. You didn't prescribe me the blue one. The pill that you prescribed was pink because it was the generic version of the blue one. But see, I I don't know if everybody has like a, a wife or a friend like mine. I get home with the pink one and I'm like, hey, she didn't prescribe me the blue one. And my friend looks at the pink one, recognizes the name. And then she immediately says, that's the one. That that's the one that you don't want. That's fluploppa plopping. You you don't you don't like that one. I th- these are the names that I make <laughs> up on the spot, right? And I'm like, aha, she did it. I told her I didn't like it, and she that that that's what I should do, right? I should get angry and resentful, and I should just start. I I should leave a Yelp review.
0: <laughs> told her I didn't Yelp want review. it.
1: She did it anyway.
0: Oh, I, okay. I'm
1: joking, obviously. What is the best way for me to handle this? So I get home. I I realize that that is the pill. I haven't taken it yet. I just filled it. I got home with it. I realize, Oh no. Yeah. Okay. I I don't want to take this drug. What is the professional way for a patient to handle it? Because sometimes we, we arch our backs and we're ready to fight because we think you're going to yell at us. How would you like us? And I know you don't speak for all doctors, just like I don't speak for all patients, but what is a good entry point to that conversation?
0: If there's a patient portal through the electronic record, if there's a way that you can, you know, leave messages that way, I would go ahead and leave the message and just simply say, hey, when I got home, my wife, my husband, whoever noticed that this was the same medication that I had the horrible side effects to, and just leave that message and wait for whatever staff monitors those messages to get back with you. Most people will tell you, we'll get back to you within 24 hours If you haven't heard from anybody in a day or so, then I would call and I would say, hey, I left a message. I I just want to know what to do. Do I need to come back in for another appointment? Can we do this between visits? I think that's a very reasonable thing to ask. Now, having said that, if there is someone in your life who has better information than you, you might want to bring them to your first visit. You might want to bring them in. They may be a very valuable source, or they can give you a list of the things that you didn't tolerate or the things that you've taken. Sometimes the people who are closest to us who help us with our illness are the ones who know the most.
1: So Dr. Nicole, in 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 anticipation of this episode, I just texted a bunch of my doctor friends and I was like, hey. What are some things that annoy you? And one of my doctor friends wrote back, bringing the whole family to your appointment. And I wrote back immediately because I have learned from you. But isn't it good? Isn't it good to have somebody come in? And it, this person wrote back, yes, but pick like one.
0: One. One. A family representative.
1: And and have every member of the family talk to that family representative? Would that be yes, like a...
0: absolutely. Because listen, I can't talk to your auntie who you lived with for six months last year, your wife who you live with now, your mom who you grew up with, your adult child who is in medical school. I can't do all that, right? One representative,
1: one. So one representative. And then in that little text exchange, I I will be the first to admit it was at like midnight. (laughs) So I I don't even know that this person is doing their their best doctor hat at at midnight on a Friday. no no less. Uh, But this person also wrote back that it's frustrating when the elected representative does more talking than the patient. And I said, well, but what if the patient can't talk? And and she gave pushback and said, okay, well, that's different. But it was the competition. It was the, she would ask the patient a question, the patient would start to answer and the elected family representative would start answering. Is that frustrating for you?
0: It gets chaotic quickly. So the patient is still the patient, right? I usually in these situations specifically start my sentences off with the patient's name and I specifically make eye contact with the patient. So I will look at you and say, Gabe, have you been sleeping? And if they answer for me, I will tell them, oh, thank you for that. How about I ask him the questions for the rest of this visit and then If there is a discrepancy or something you want to add, we can do that.
1: I know I'm about to open up a whole can of worms for you, so please don't throw anything at my head. But the that elected official or or even really anybody in the family can shoot you an email or leave you a voicemail with information that they think that you need to have. Now, I, I want to say the same rules should apply, right? Don't have everybody in the family leave any psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist a voicemail because it just it the reason for that is not because you don't want to hear them. It's because it, it's too much information. You become buried under it, right?
0: I've had families... Or a specific family member send me a letter before or call the office and leave a message or send an email if there are things that they want me to know and they can't come to the visit or they don't want to say in front of the person to upset them. That's difficult sometimes to manage, right? Because if your loved one tells me, well, I'm sending this about Gabe, but I don't want you to tell Gabe that I told you, that's not helpful. Uh, because then I'm stuck in this triangle of, do I tell Gabe that his mom told me that he hasn't slept in a week and that he's been up at night screaming, or do I just ask him and go with what he says as gospel truth and don't question it? It's tough. It's really hard. So I I don't mind the, hey, heads up, this is what's going on kind of information, but I, I don't like when the family member tells me, but then don't tell the patient that I told you this stuff because it just puts me in a really bad situation.
1: First, let's address the HIPAA of it all, right? Many people believe that they can't call and leave a voicemail for the doctor because it violates HIPAA. That is not a HIPAA violation. No, you can tell me whatever you want. Right. Now you replying back with information, that's a HIPAA violation.
0: That would be a violation if I don't have a release to speak to you. So if you're not the person that they've designated or they don't have anyone designated for us to speak to about their care, then I can't say anything back. But you can tell me whatever your heart desires.
1: I think this is another moment for the patient to really understand, right? This is why you want to have your single elected official, the person who you trust most. I believe that you get better care if you sign that release so that the doctor can talk to mom, dad, brother, sister, bestie, spouse, whomever, but that's one person to manage. If you bring in your whole family and you sign releases for all of them and you have a falling out with any of those people that I mentioned, they still have that release. It becomes a quagmire, right? Having that one, person means everybody talks to that one person that one person filters it out talks to the doctor you're making the best use of your time and you're protecting your your medical records right i I just wanted to say because so many people believe well it's a HIPAA violation if mom calls my doctor nope it sure isn't it's a HIPAA violation if doctor calls your mom
0: yeah she can call all day Lots of offices have their blanket statement, like, I can neither confirm nor deny that we are taking care of that person, or I can neither confirm nor deny that that person is a patient of our office. If there is a family member listening, I would say, okay, that's fine. But if this person is being seen there, this is what I'd like Dr. So-and-so to know. Leave the information, but don't get frustrated when you don't get a call back, because if there's no release, you won't get a call back
1: exactly and and that is for our protection right that's for the person living with bipolar disorders protection so i love that but to touch on what you said here it it's super annoying when somebody says hey your your patient is doing x y and z but leave my name out of it <laughs> that it's interesting that you're like look that that is annoying for me that is frustrating that that drives me up a wall that that just that is irritating but then you followed it up with because it doesn't allow you to give the best care for the patient yeah really if the patient knew what was going on probably aggravate them too.
0: 90% of the things that I could come up with that aggravate me or annoy me or whatever word you want to use are because ultimately they interfere with what I can do with the patient
1: and for the patient. I, I immediately wanted to segue to, so what's the 10% that doesn't? Right For
0: me personally, it's hugs. I don't, I'm not a hugger. <laughs> I'm not a hugger. I'm not a hugger in my real life or professional life. Another cute little story when I did home visits, And I had a lady and she gave me a very out of the blue hug. I'm usually very good at deflecting hugs. I employ the Oprah method where if someone comes at you to hug you, I grab their hands and kind of yay and just avoid the hug. Like I'm so good at dodging hugs. And this lady caught me slipping and she caught me out the blue and she hugged me so tight. And the next month when I went back to go see her, she said to me, I am so sorry. Last month when you were here, I hugged you and I felt every muscle in your body tense up when (laughs) I hugged you and I think I made you very uncomfortable and I'm very sorry. So hugs, hugs are probably like the one thing that I just can't do. Hugs.
1: I personally, Gabe Howard, use the "Are you a hugger?" method uh, because listen, I, I am six foot three, two hundred and fifty pounds, and I, I have the wingspan of a of a small car. Yeah. And it, when when I hug you, you're getting hugged. I'm a hugger. I'm not a hugger.
0: And if you think about it in psychiatry, I don't know if people are aware of this. We have very firm boundaries, right? We have very firm boundaries. Your psychiatrist may likely not answer questions about their personal lives to you. Your therapist may not answer questions about their personal lives to you because there's boundaries. I know you think on your end, but... I'm telling them everything about me. They know everything about me. Why can't I know if they're married or if they're Christian or if they have kids or what political party they belong to? Yeah, why can't we? You don't need it. You don't need to know that for me to be able to give you what you need. And in some ways, it can interfere with our relationship, right? That trust can be broken if you all of a sudden know that, oh, he's not a Christian. Oh, She's a Democrat. She's a Republican. Oh my gosh. She voted for so-and-so. It can change the way you interact with them. There is no scenario in which the care that I provide to you should be different based on any of those things, whether you are Christian, atheist, Muslim, whatever religion you practice or not, I should treat you the same, whether you're a Republican, a Democrat, independent, like I should still treat you the same. And those kind of details and those kind of things you know about people definitely can interfere, I think, from the patient end to the doctor on how much they feel like they can trust them if they knew those things about them. And so that we're bound by boundaries and hugs kind of violate my boundaries. Our relationship is professional and sometimes that line gets blurred I think by patients because you tell us everything. You tell us stuff that nobody in your life knows. And then all of a sudden you think that we're friends. And we're not. <laughs> Hi there, I'm Faye McCray, Editor-in-Chief of Psych Central. Whether you're looking for free resources, quizzes, or thought-provoking personal perspectives, Psych Central has what you need to join you on your mental health journey. Psych Central's talented team of award-winning writers, editors, and medical professionals are passionate about creating a safe, inclusive, and trustworthy environment where you feel seen and heard. Visit us now at psychcentral.com. That's psychcentral.com. And we're back with the things that bug your psychiatrist, but they'll never tell you. I do have a couple things that we haven't talked about yet that I think we should talk about. One thing is waiting until the last minute if you need a refill. For whatever reason, let's say you run out of meds before your next appointment, which really shouldn't happen, right? Like if we're on our game and we're making sure you have enough to hold you, but things happen. Life happens. But if you need a refill and you take your last pill on Thursday morning and Thursday afternoon, you call demanding that your refill be sent that day because you don't have any pills for Friday.
1: I am guilty of this. I, I want you to know, Dr. Nicole, I have done this. I have made the phone call saying, hey, I opened my pillbox this morning and, and I didn't have any pills. I need you to call this in right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But while you're making that call and expecting me to do it in the next five minutes so you can go pick it up and take it that day, I'm in the middle of seeing people. I got a full schedule. I am trying to give them the attention that I give you when you come in, which is why so many clinics have these uh, policies in place that say, you know, we have 48 hours to get your refill done because practices have tons of patients. And imagine if there are several people messaging and calling with needs of side effects or needing things, needing forms filled out and letters and all this stuff. It's hard to get to.
1: I will be the first to admit that I am unreasonable when it comes to medication refills. I am that guy. <laughs> so I, I just want you to know, Dr. Nicole, it, it's fear. There is impatience, but it's also fear, right? I am now terrified that all of the things that that medication is preventing, all of the badness that it's holding back, is on its way. It is illuminating for you to say, look, I'm giving attention to the people who are here, just like I give you attention when you are there. Because I I know that if I was there for my appointment and you were distracted, you weren't paying attention, you were trying to refill another patient's prescription, I'd be upset.
0: Yes. You are not your psychiatrist only patient.
1: Why not? (laughs) I sometimes feel like I am. (laughs) Yes, it would be nice. This is the learning moment for people living with bipolar disorder. Do what you can to manage your own pills. Whether it's you know get one of those apps that'll work. There's med tracking apps out there. Get the pill minder like I do so that way when you fill it up you're like, "Oh wow, I I fill mine every Sunday and I'm like Thursday is when I drop the last pill in. I need to remember to call on Monday and that gives me plenty of time. We do need to remember that we can take some control of this. And uh, apparently it will annoy our psychiatrist less. I mean, that's always nice. That's because it's all about you. (laughs) That
0: is always nice. It's all
1: about you, Dr. Nicole. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh. It is not all about me, Gabe,
1: but... But listen, here's the thing that I think many people in my position don't realize. It is a little bit about you. For as much as people living with bipolar disorder say, I want a partnership with my doctor. We do often not consider it a partnership when we want something. Then it's all on you, right? It's on you, it's on you, it's on you. Fill my prescription, get me an emergency appointment, change my med. I'm having a side effect. Do, 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 do. It's only a partnership sometimes. I was guilty of this. I wanted to be heard. I wanted to form a partnership with my psychiatrist, but whenever my psychiatrist needed an extra day to get something done, that partnership was gone and I was the customer. I'm the patient, you do it now. What happened to the kumbaya? Yes. Where did it go? We're yes. getting along so well. 100%. So, yeah, I you know, I get a lot of angry emails from the the patient community. But I sincerely want people to know that I'm trying to give you like real options that you can use to better manage your care. I don't care if Dr. Nicole's irritated or not. I, I care that it in, impacts the care that we get.
0: I mean, I'd love to go through my day and not get irritated. I think these are things that that patients should know, right? Like, if you come to me for an appointment, and we go through the whole visit, And you hit me with what I affectionately call the BT dubs. When you hit me on the way out with, by the way, I have this form I need you to fill out. By the way, I need a letter for blankety blank. By the way, I got arrested a week ago and I have to go to court next week. And it's always like the big stuff, right? The, The BT dub is always a big drop at the end. If you know that there is something that you need like that or you want to tell me Bring it up immediately from the outset when they say, Hey, how's it been going? That's when you tell me, Oh, I got arrested last week, and then this thing happened, and then blah 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 blah. Because I may be focused on symptoms and I may be focused on medication stuff, and I may totally miss sometimes some of those little things that are big things, right? Because I think, Oh, maybe there's nothing going on in that arena, they don't have any history of this, I'm not worried about that, and then all of a sudden, don't bury the lead, bring it out early. Bring it out early.
1: I would venture to guess that 99% of the people that do the BD dub on the way out, it's because they're working up the nerve. I know. They're scared of your reaction. So let me ask you this. If one of your patients walked in with an index card and on it, they wrote... Any of those things, uh, got arrested, need this form filled out, got in a fight with mom, stopped taking my meds three weeks ago. Any of the the big high points, they just wrote it on there. They handed it to you and sat down. Would you be cool with that?
0: I would be so cool with that because I would then know everything they wanted to cover. And I I do understand that sometimes it is like, oh God, I hate to even have to tell her this. I don't want to have to ask her to fill out this form. I'm just going to do it on the way out but then you're frustrated with me, right? Then you're annoyed because I can't get to it right away or because I don't even understand what it's for or what it is and you feel like you get nowhere and then you're mad because you need this form filled out or all of a sudden you tell me you got arrested and I I don't know what to do with that because I didn't know about it until the very end and now I have other people, if I extend you, I'm gonna be late for somebody else and it just ends up being a whole thing, so... If writing it down is easier for you, and you bring in a checklist, bring it in.
1: Bring it in and hand it over. I, I use the top three method. I-, I use this myself, and and listen, I've-, I've been in recovery for well over a decade, and I still use this method because there is still a part of Gabe that is fearful of his therapist, his psychiatrist. I just, I, I can't help it. It, it- right
0: because it's it's that power differential that we talked about. Even if your psychiatrist and therapist are the most wonderful, caring therapeutic people and you feel like they have helped you and you, man, you just are so thankful for the care they've given you. There's still this piece of you that sees them as this person who has some kind of power over you.
1: I I completely agree with that. So the top three method, I I love the top three method. And I really do. I, I write it on scratch paper now because... I don't know. I can't afford index cards. I always <laughs> I, I try to make it sound fancy. Dr. Nicole, write it on an index card in calligraphy in your best penmanship.
0: You can write it on the back of a receipt. From your gas station You can write it on Whatever is a napkin Out the bathroom I don't care what it yep, is I
1: write it on a lot Of fast food napkins A
0: lot of fast <laughs> food napkins care. Are getting my
1: top three I'm, I'm, I
0: don't care I,
1: I cannot lie about that But I think it's really good Dr. Nicole We've covered a lot of things That get under your skin Irk you Irritate you Drive you up a wall Annoy Whatever word you want to use Don't, don't fall down The semantics rabbit hole It's just things About Dr. Nicole's job That were not as cool As we once thought they were Have we hit the high point. I know we can't get to them all.
0: Yeah, we can't get to them all. But we've we've hit a lot of good ones.
1: There is one more that came up in my in my my little survey that I did of all the people that I know and it's being rude to the staff. I I just want to touch on it because I get it. I get it. You, you've you got this, this pent up fear and worry. You don't get what you want out of your psychiatrist. Your psychiatrist goes back in and then you're, you're, you're staring at a receptionist and you just unload. Is that a burden for you?
0: Yes, it absolutely is a burden. I have to stand up for my staff and I have to talk to the patient about boundaries and how that that's not how we operate here. Like you can't yell at people. Don't yell at me either. I don't want to be yelled at, right? Don't
1: yell at anybody. No yelling.
0: Anybody listening, if you have a job, do you want anyone for any reason yelling at you at work? I'm going to assume the answer is no. So that same thing applies for the medical staff. They are people and it hurts. I'm a psychiatrist. I am trained. I know what I'm dealing with. But let me tell you something. When patients yell at me and insult me it is not always easy to then continue (laughs) to give that person the best of me and 100% non-biased care. So I live in Oklahoma and I I don't know, like maybe I'm racially ambiguous to people who haven't seen very many people of color. So I've been called every racial slur in the book. Everyone you can think of. Every, for a variety of, I've been called, a variety of ethnicities. I've been called every racial slur in the book over the years, you know, when somebody's manic or psychotic or saying stuff, you know, I'm in the hospital setting. Usually I can let those fall off my back, right? When it's someone who's stable and just angry because they wanted a particular drug that I wouldn't give them, or they couldn't understand why I wouldn't write a letter saying blankety blank or whatever it is that they are angry about. And they hit me with something like that. It's hard for me to, I'm human. It's hard for me not to come back. It's hard for me to not let that interfere, right? Like I have to be so careful and cautious about what I'm doing and checking myself like, okay, but that's tough. So I think any kind of yelling or being rude to staff or your psychiatrist in general. And then you joked earlier about the Yelp review, right? Like, oh, I'll leave, you know, a bad Yelp review. But listen, this is what's happening to psychiatrists. Sometimes people are angry about Somebody not giving them, let's say they want to control substance and you don't feel like genuinely that is something that is in that person's best interest and you won't give it to them. And then here we go with these keyboard gangsters, right? Because they're getting on the Internet and they're like, Dr. Nicole wouldn't uh, she would not prescribe the medicine that I needed to get better. She's a terrible psychiatrist. She's horrible. And there you go. It lives on the internet forever. So then some new person's Googling, I need a psychiatrist. Oh, look at this Dr. Nicole. She looks nice. And then they read that review and they're like, oh, I don't know. Or you get mad at the office staff and you go to my review, to my Google, and you put her office staff is horrible. They wouldn't help me. It is very frustrating for psychiatrists to live in this world now where people can go onto the internet and just put random stuff about you, whether it's accurate or not. And we can't respond because of HIPAA. I can't go back to your review and say, that's not true, to defend myself because of HIPAA. And now I'm in this space where it's very frustrating when people leave these kind of reviews about you. So that is another, we we found another, we unearthed another frustration about being a psychiatrist in this
1: era. Dr. Nicole, I appreciate you bringing all of that up I I, Sincerely, I can imagine how difficult this is to be Because you want to defend yourself You are a person There's just a lot going on there And and I know that we could talk about this all day But I sincerely hope that the listeners Get a better understanding Of where our medical providers are coming from And the things that they face in their day-to-day life We're really good at understanding ourselves, right? We know when we're not getting what we need And when we have frustrations And those come out in a variety of ways I think it's extraordinarily helpful and powerful To understand what challenges and frustrations the other side has Because it allows us to come to the middle Thank you, everybody, for listening in. Thank you, Doctor Nicole, for being super vulnerable. It, it's it's got to be hard. I, th- is it hard to give people a peek behind the curtain? Because many psychiatrists just close ranks. They they have like the poker face, which I understand, and they never say anything negative about their job, their patients, the industry, anything. They just they do their job and they get out. When you say, "Hey, is this frustrating?" they consider that a boundary issue and they move right along. So, was it difficult for you to share this publicly?
0: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I don't I don't want my patients to then hear this and think, oh my gosh, I annoy Dr. Nicole. I annoy her. <laughs> That's not what you're saying. That is not what I'm saying at all. I don't want people to even look at the title of the episode and say, annoyed? Doctors are getting annoyed? Like, wh- how dare they? We pay them. They are providing a service to me. It is very difficult.
1: So it sounds like you're saying, do not name this episode, Dr. Nicole Washington gets annoyed at all of her patients for doing the following things and they won't stop doing it. And it drives Dr. Nicole Washington up a wall. Is that is that a bad title?
0: That's a bad title. You should name it Dr. Nicole hates hugs and more.
1: <laughs> Dr. Nicole hates hugs. You know, I don't know that that's keyword loaded, but hey, you never know what happens in post. Thank you everybody for listening in. My name is Gabe Howard and I am the author of Mental Illness Is an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon. But you can get a signed copy with free swag just by heading over to my website at GabeHoward.com.
0: And I'm Dr. Nicole Washington. And you can find me on all social media platforms at Dr. Nicole Psych to see all the things I have my hand in at any given moment.
1: Dr. Nicole and I are both speakers and we travel nationally, sometimes together, sometimes separately. But the point is, is that we are willing to leave our house and speak at your next event. You can find out more information on our respective websites. And hey, listen, we need like a favor. The way that this show grows is by word of mouth. Share it on social media, email people, text people, share the show. It's how we grow. And wherever you listen to this episode, please subscribe or follow. It's absolutely free because you don't want to miss a thing. We will see you next Monday on Inside Bipolar.
0: You've been listening to Inside Bipolar from Healthline Media and PsychCentral.com. Have feedback for the show? Email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash IBP or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening.